I heard a great story about a little boy who went to the baseball field and he was all alone. He had his baseball cap on and the ball and the bat and he's standing at home plate. He shouts, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He tosses the ball up into the air, swings and misses. Strike one, he yells. And he does it again. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He tosses the ball up in the air, swings, misses again. Strike two, he shouts. Hmm, he says as he picks up the ball. He uh, looks at the ball, looks at his bat, straightens his cap. For a third time, he tosses the ball into the air. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Swings as hard as he can, misses. He yells, strike three. You see, he picks up the ball, he goes, wow, I just struck out the greatest hitter in the world. I must be the greatest pitcher in the world. I love it. How's that for positive attitude? Isn't that amazing? Our attitude matters. That's what I want to talk to us today about. Um, when we come to church, when we show up for worship, our attitude makes a difference. You ever heard someone say, Church is boring. Ever hear that? Huh? Don't nudge anybody. <laughs> oh, do I have to go to church? Church is boring. It's one of the biggest reasons why people don't go to church, right? But I'm not buying it. Church isn't boring. Church is amazing. Church is exhilarating. I love going to church. Like, just, just think about it for a second. I believe worship should be one of the most engaging experiences on the planet. Because how could it be possible to encounter an awesome, living, and majestic God and ever walk away bored? Right? If church is boring, it's not because God is boring. God is awesome. He's amazing. Might it have something to do with our attitude? Attitude makes a difference. It makes a difference in life. It makes a difference when we come to worship. It can make a difference between worship that's boring and worship that's life-changing. We're in a series here at Hope on the topic of worship. We've called it Worthy. And uh, if you're just joining us, we believe that the reason we exist as human beings is singular. And that is to worship God. We have been created to worship. And last week we asked the question, as we looked at Psalm 96, what is worship and why do we do it? And the answer we saw in Psalm 96 is so simple. It says in Psalm 96.4, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. This is the what and why of worship. Very simply, the Lord is great, and He's worthy of our praise. We worship God because He is an awesome God, because He's our Creator, because it's His breath in our lungs, because He's our Savior. He is most worthy of our praise. Based on this verse in Psalm 96, we came up last week with the definition of worship. Psalm 96 shows us that worship is our response to the greatness of God. 
whereby we declare his word. That's why we're here today. We are responding to the greatness of God. And we're proclaiming his worth. In other words, worship is our response to God and our understanding of who he is. You remember if you were here last week, we gave you this quote from A.W. Tozer. Where he says, worship rises and falls um, with our concept of God. A big vision of God leads to big worship. Maybe worship not something you do very much. And maybe it's just because it's, you don't think much of God. It's our response to the greatness of God and our understanding of who He is. And then in worship, which comes from that old English word, worship, we're attributing value to God. We're attributing worth to God. We're saying to God, worth it. You're worth it, God. That's what worship is all about. Worship is the purpose of our lives. It's why God created us. But just like anything else in our life, our attitude matters. It makes a difference. Today I want to talk to you about three attitudes for life-changing worship. We'll look at three different passages. But as we dive in, will you join me in a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us here. That we pause to reflect on this amazing truth. That now we get to open up your word. You've revealed yourself to us and we, we can come and we can, we can get to know you better. That's why we're here. We're asking that you would show us the glory and majesty of who you are. And teach us, God, how to respond in worship with attitudes that declare your worth. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, three attitudes of life-changing worship. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first attitude for life-changing worship is awe. Is awe. We come to worship and we worship with an attitude of awe. Uh, this is what scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. It's a great verse here. It's been a while since I've quoted from Ecclesiastes, um, but I love this passage. Here's what it says. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. I like this passage because it talks about something that we're all familiar with and that's Going to the house of God or, or going to this place of worship. And uh, so many times we come to church, just like the passage says, and right, we sing the songs, we say all these words, you hear a message uh, from the Bible, we sit, we stand, we pray, we go home, and sometimes nothing changes. We've just gone through the motions. And Ecclesiastes here calls it a sacrifice of fools. And they don't know that they do wrong. That's very interesting. 
Why does he call it a sacrifice of fools? Because we've come to worship, we've said and done all the right things, but we never met with God. We never encountered him. See, the problem of approaching God this way, as we see in Ecclesiastes, is it's not the actions of worship. Right? Is there anything wrong with, with you know, praying or singing? or any, Is there anything wrong with that? It's not the actions of worship, according to this passage, but it's the attitude of worship. Ecclesiastes says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. I find that very interesting. It reminds me of what God says to Moses back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. You remember God appears to Moses in this blazing fire coming out of a bush. And as Moses like starts to come close, what does God say? He says, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Guard your steps when you come into the house of God. So let's rewind a bit. As you came into worship this morning, uh, as I am so guilty of so often, I just, you know, jump in, start singing the song. This morning I had a donut in my hand, you know, like grabbing the coffee, racing in, running a little bit late. And Ecclesiastes says, hold on. Let's not be so quick with our words and hasty of heart. And then he explains why in verse 2. It says, God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. The idea is this. Think about the situation here. Here we are, Hope Community Church, worshiping God right now on planet earth. And up in heaven, we have a holy and almighty God. He knows all things. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's uh, omnipresent. He's present everywhere. And this is the greatness of the God we worship. And then here you and I are. We're just these little people on this little tiny planet. And Ecclesiastes is saying, just stop and think about that for a second before you say anything or you do anything. Think about who you're about to worship. And we come into worship with an attitude of awe and wonder. R.A. Torrey wrote a book called How to Pray. I read this book back in college, and I came across uh, this uh, quote, and it's, it's really impacted how I approach God, how I do my uh, quiet time with the Lord in the morning, how I worship when I come to church. He actually talks about some of the struggles that we go through um, when it comes to missing God or going through the motions. And he gives us some great advice and it can help us apply this to our lives. R.A. Torrey writes, if then we would pray aright, or I would say if we would worship aright, like we're doing here, or to our time with God in the morning aright, the first thing that we should do is see to it that we really get an audience with God and that we really get into his presence. Before a word of petition is offered, we should have a definite and vivid consciousness that we're talking to God. We should not be hasty in words until he's actually brought us there. Isn't that great advice? We just take a moment when we come to worship and we say, big God, little me. And we come with an attitude of awe. Hebrews 12, 28 says this. <clears throat> 
says, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Does anybody know this verse says? It says, for our God is a consuming fire. Wow. Three attitudes of life-changing worship. Number one, awe. Second attitude of life-changing worship is abandon. Abandon. Okay. Abandon means freedom. There is a freedom in this place to worship God. We're not worried what people think. Right? God is awesome. He deserves our greatest praise. So we worship with abandon. Uh, you know what's a great example of this? Philadelphia Eagles fans. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and I'll just say this today because, you know, the Eagles are in the playoffs. They're kind of making their Super Bowl run. And I have not forgotten what happened in 2018 when the Eagles won the championship. I had just moved here in 2017. I fully expected celebration. But what I did not expect was this, and I'll give you the news article. Watch. Eagles fans climb street poles covered in Crisco to celebrate Super Bowl appearance. But the, the subtitle is the best. It says, uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans cannot be stopped from climbing street poles. <laughs> You're not going to stop them. They cannot be stopped. Hey, I, am, I could imagine a celebration. I can't imagine anything like this. Right? That's the passion of these fans. And, you know, if the Eagles keep winning, it's happening again. Just get ready. The, look at the article. It tells us they cannot be stopped. Right? Crisco the polls, all you want, baby, an Eagles fan is going to climb to the top. Because in the city of Philadelphia, that's how we celebrate our teams. Abandon. Abandon. I'm just asking today, if that's how we celebrate our team, what about how we celebrate our king? We worship with an attitude of freedom and abandon. I don't care what anyone thinks. And in the Bible, David is a great example of that. David worships with total abandon. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Here's what it says. Starting in verse 12. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obadiah in the city of David with rejoicing. What's the city of David? What's that place? place again? Jerusalem, right? Okay. Bringing the ark into Jerusalem from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. So right, anytime we come to worship, it's always on the basis of sacrifice. Right? And those sacrifices find their fulfillment in Jesus. Why we sing about the cross, like we, to, to this day, come to, the wor to worship on behalf of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. David had a sense of that in the Old Testament way. So they're sacrificing animals, wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. I love it. Why is David dancing? Well, David is king, number one. Uh, Jerusalem has just become the capital city. The Ark of the Lord, uh, which you have to understand represents the very presence of God on earth, um, was 
the centerpiece of Israel's worship. David is now moving the ark to set it up in the city of David, in the royal city, the new capital. And this would have been a, you know, a, an incredible moment for David and all the people in the city of Jerusalem. Huge crowds have gathered. They're celebrating. Uh, David is dancing before the Lord like a madman. He's getting his groove on. Like it says, he's dancing before the Lord with all his might. It is like pure and total abandon. Pretty awesome. You know what David's wife said when he got home? She said, you embarrass me. Literally says, you're humiliating yourself out there. You're the king. And listen to what David's response is to his wife, Michal. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord. I will celebrate before the Lord. And I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Isn't that awesome? Michal says, David, you're a king. Right? King's got to worry about his image. Don't you care what all those people think? David says, no, not at all. I don't care a bit. Because it was before the Lord that I was worshiping. It was for him. It was for an audience of one. You know, man looks at outward appearances, but God looks at the heart. I was dancing for my God. If we care what, if we only care what people think of us, we'll never worship God in the way we were created to worship. When we come to worship, we come with an attitude of abandon, and that just means freedom. Does that mean I have to dance? Absolutely not. But it means you can come and you can be yourself. And you can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? Genuineness is encouraged. Come on. We don't have to care what people think. Does it mean that sometimes there might be somebody who doesn't understand what we're, we're doing and they might look at us and say, oh, that person's crazy? That could happen. But guess what? We're not worshiping for those people. Worshiping for the Lord. He's a great God. He deserves the greatest praise. Oh, come on, there's a freedom in this place. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. But God, it's for the Lord. I'll become even more undignified than this. Wow. That's abandoned. Three attitudes for life-changing worship. Number one, awe. Number two, abandon. The third attitude for life-changing worship is desire. Desire. I desire God. I long for his presence. This desire drives us into moments of worship where we get to grow in our relationship with him and, and we get closer with him. Do I worship God with an attitude of desire? Let's talk about desires. Uh, first thing when I wake up in the morning, I desire coffee. Gotta have it. I love it. Any coffee lovers in the room? Come on. Now we're preaching. This is a great quote. We're talking about attitude. Great attitude is like a perfect cup of coffee. Don't start your day without it. I love it. I live that way. I wake up in the morning. I go down to the kitchen. I get my coffee. 
nice, hot cup of coffee. I grab my Bible. I spend some time with Jesus. And if I do that, it's going to be an awesome day. Might not be an easy day, but I got my coffee and I got Jesus. It's going to be a pretty good day. Angie has a mug. Says this girl runs on coffee and Jesus. That's awesome. You ask me what a day would be like without coffee and Jesus, I don't even want to know. I don't want to experience that day. I want nothing to do with that day. Right? I, I drink coffee to wake up, and I wake up to drink coffee. It's just that I love it. It's my desire. And we all have desires. But in Psalm 27, David tells us about one thing in his life that he desires most of all. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. One thing, David says, I desire the Lord. David reveals the all-consuming passion of his life. And he uses the words, one thing. One thing I desire. One thing matters to me more than anything else in this world. And then he tells us what it is. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What David longs for is not just a physical place of worship. He's not just saying, you know what would be really great? If I got a sleeping bag. And I brought it in and set it up in Max's office. And I could just be in the house of the Lord. I mean, that, that would be cool, no doubt. It's not about the physical place of worship. The one thing David desires is God himself. He seeks God. He wants to behold God. In the wonder of all that he is, so that he might continually experience the presence of God every single day and moment of his life. David says, if I can have that, that's all I need. That's my one desire. When we come to worship, we worship with an attitude of desire. See, my desire for you today is that this would be your one desire. Psalm 105, verse 4 says, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. What a great verse. I want to live my whole life in the presence of God. I want to know His presence every day, continually, and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And guys, if that's our attitude, if that's our desire... We show up to this place on a Sunday morning for worship. I'm telling you, look out. We're going to go, there's going to be some passion in this room. Might be a little bit electric. Before I was a pastor at Hope Community Church, I served as a youth pastor for 10 years. Got to worship, uh, work with high school and middle school students. One of the great privileges of those years was that oftentimes I got, I, I had the privilege of seeing teenagers experience the presence of God in worship 
sometimes for the very first time. It's quite an amazing thing to experience and to be a part of. But I'll never forget um, a boy in our middle school youth group. Uh, are we just talking to the adults here today? No. No, you're never too small. You're never too little to experience the reality of God's presence. And that's what this boy named Chase discovered. On one night, we had a worship event, and we talked about worship. And as soon as the night of worship was over, he came running up to me. You could see just the excitement in his eyes. And he, he goes, Pastor Brian, you'll never believe what happened tonight. He said, I realized... As he grew up in the church, he's a, this is a church kid. He said, I realized tonight in worship that I've been letting my friends hold me back. He said, for the very first time, I close my eyes, I raise my hands, and I worship God. And he began to say how he experienced the presence of God so strongly, he said, it was electric. And he's a middle school boy, right? When we bring our desire for God into these moments of worship, I want to be very clear, it may or may not be electric. But we will meet God. We will encounter his presence. His presence is real. It's awe-inspiring. It's life-changing. You can't encounter God and walk away the same. To, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Better is one day in God's house than a thousand elsewhere. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's nothing greater that we could be a part of than what we're doing today and what we can do every single day of our lives. As we're going to learn next week, worship doesn't have to stop when the song is over. Our third attitude for life-changing worship is desire. And the greatest desire of all is just to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never done that before, you haven't begun a relationship with God, that's why Jesus came. The Bible says it's, our, it's really our sin that separates us from God, and there's nothing unusual about that. We all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. But there, is, there are not two things more spiritually incompatible than sin and the presence of God, which is just why Jesus came. He bore our sin on the cross. He rose from the dead as Savior and Lord. He is worthy of all the praise of heaven and earth. And he went to that cross to forgive our sin. So that by trusting in Jesus... We're saved. We get to go boldly into the presence of God. We get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the Bible says that's just a free gift for all who come to Christ and believe in him. And I want to invite you to do that today. You're not too young. You're not too old to begin a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. I just want to say today, attitude matters. Our attitude makes a difference. Even when we come to worship on Sunday mornings, um, there's a great quote by Winston Churchill. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. And that's true in every area of our life. 
That's true when we go to work. It's true when we go to school. It's true for us as parents and grandparents. The attitude matters, and it makes a big difference in worship. And my encouragement today is that if we'll change our attitude just a little bit, we can actually change our worship. God's amazing. He's worthy of the greatest praise. So let's enter these times with these three life-changing attitudes for worship. Awe, big God, little me. I don't need to say too much until I know that I'm in his presence. Abandon, I don't care what people think. I have freedom to worship God. I have freedom to sing. I have freedom to clap and have some fun and raise my hands. I can be me and desire. One thing I desire more than anything is to be here and to worship God. Is there one of those that jumps out to you? Hey, if I could change one attitude today, is it awe, abandon, or desire? Maybe pick one of those. But let's give our lives for the glory of his name. Will you pray with me? God, thanks for this morning. And um, truly, worship is our response. And as we open our eyes to you, God, we can't help but let go of the cares of what other people think and respond to you in worship. God, worship is not a, a, a passive activity, but it is active response. And so we offer you our lives, for, first and foremost, we recognize your greatness and we thank you for the Holy Spirit, your presence who's indwelling our hearts. Thank you, God, that you meet us in these moments. Thank you that your presence is real. Help us to have a sense right now that you're with us. We let go of our, all the distractions. We let go of the fears. Show us who you are. Even as we sing this song, let us be overwhelmed by your majesty and worth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's just take a moment. Recognition of who he is. As we prepare to sing this final song, we turn our eyes to you, God. We declare your glory and we lift up your name.